pinned a bit, a bit of theology inside of a song one day. He said, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, oh, precious is the blood that makes me Worship the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you clap your hands and give God praise in this place? Jesus. 
God, we thank you. We thank you for this time that is sacred to commune with you. Father, to have the fellowship of the saints and the fellowship and the worship of communion. To remember what you have done for us. Your death, your burial, and your resurrection. We thank you for it. Now, Lord, as we prepare to break the bread of life, Father, hide us behind your cross, God. Heal us by the power of your word. Deliver us by the power of your word. Set us free by the power of your word. We believe that we shall receive. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise in the building. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Say that nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Worship him where you are. If you're watching online or wherever you are, can you lift your hands and begin to worship God? He's in this place. Can you feel him in the building? Hallelujah. Worship the Lord. Call on him while he may be found and he will answer you. God, we worship. We thank you, God, that you receive our worship with all of our different personalities and all of our different expressions. God, we don't have to look like one another, but if we raise our hands, God, if we, some of us, if we just raise our hearts, God, you understand and you hear. And God, as a communal body right now, we give you praise online and in public, God, in, in person. Right now, we bless your name. We thank you for it and give you praise. Speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Sometimes we feel like we always have to fill the space with sound, but I'm just going to let Turhan play for a second. And I'm going to give you a few seconds just to spend some time with God. Just a second in prayer. I know that's not our normal mode of operations right now. You're ready for me to break the bread. But I feel right now in my spirit that we all need to connect with God. Even if you're online right now, I'm going to stop talking for a second. And I just want for a few seconds, you guys, to begin to pray to God. Pray for the sermon. Pray for the spirit to come in this place. Pray for healing and deliverance to reach those that need it right now. Word of God for the people of God coming from the book of James chapter one. We are in a series called True Faith. You can keep going to her, huh? 
James chapter 1, if we could stand for the reading of the word of God. Thank you so much. James chapter 1, starting at verse 13. I don't know about you, but I'm full this morning. I feel the presence of God. God is omnipresent. He's always in the building, but it's wonderful when he lets us feel his glory. James chapter 1, verse 13. Let us read together in concert, and it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. And perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he has created. I want to talk to you from this subject. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to turn it around. You may be seated in the presence of God. God, speak your servants, listen. And we'll give you the praise in the name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. As they pull the word up on the screen that I want you to look at, I think today, as we go through our True Faith series, how we're talking about what true faith looks like. There are so many models and counterfeits of what faith could be. And as the church has matriculated down through the ages, there are all sorts of ideas and philosophies that have found their way on the inside of the church. There's all sorts of things to where you can turn on the television and you'll hear one preacher say one thing and another preacher say another. And sometimes it's often confusing to figure out what is really the truth. What have I been taught? It just depends on your favorite televangelist. But today we're talking about true faith. And because we're talking about true faith, it's a faith that lasts. It's a faith that has lasted through the church for two millennia. That although movements have come, kingdoms have been raised, kingdoms have been brought low, countries have started and countries have ended, the word of God still stands forever. I hear the, the psalmist, the, the writer saying that the flower fades, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will last forever. I've come to tell you that everything in this earth will pass away. But God said before my word will pass away, both heaven and earth will pass away. God says that I hold my word higher than my own name. I esteem my word beyond that of even my own name. That if we want to know what true faith is, it's not pre Preaching psychology is not preaching self-help, um, but it's preaching the unadulterated word of God. 
Sometimes I like preaching through books of the Bible. I haven't done it in quite a while, but I, I like this. Why do I like this? Because I don't have to have to have to try too hard because I can pray about what's already there. You can't get mad at me and say that the pastor picked this subject and he's stepping on my toes because James wrote this book and we're going in order. So if it said if he steps on your toes, just remember you got another foot and you'll be okay. But James is telling us what true faith looks like. And we saw some wonderful things James has given us for deliverance and freedom. And although we may not think of it, this word, pull that word up on the screen for me, guys, gives us deliverance and freedom. Do you see that word that's on the screen? Pull it up online for the people online to be able to see it, too. See that word right there? What emotions come when you see that word? <laughs> what thoughts come when you see that word? Most people, if you're honest, when you see that word, it brings negative emotions and it brings negative thoughts. It brings thoughts of condemnation to your mind. Most of us don't like that word because we look through the lenses of a prior experience and it seems so negative to us. As soon as we see that word, we begin to reject truth. We begin to reject what God is calling us to. But I've come to let you know today that if we run from repentance because because we let negative experiences in our path define us, we really run from true freedom. Because Martin Luther has told us, Martin Luther started the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther, who left Catholicism and went to the Wittenberg Church and nailed 95 theses on the wall that started what we call Protestantism. You are Protestants. You are protesters. You're unruly people. You don't go by the rules. You go by the word of God. And it had gotten to a point that was similar to the day where the church was a universal church, but it had begun to get away from the true teachings of the faith. It had begun to get away from the true teachings of God. It had replaced uh, replaced coming by grace through faith and saying that we had a vicar or a substitution of Christ and that you can only come to Christ by going to a person. And those things in the church begin to be abused and those people begin to sell indulgences and they made up all sorts of crazy rules and said, yes, there's a heaven, but there's a hell. But your uncle, your uncle, he didn't live right. So he can get out of hell if we just pay us a little bit of money and give us an indulgence and he can sit in purgatory in the middle for a while. If you get a little bit more money, uncle can get out of there. That's nowhere in the Bible. But why did they do that? Because the populace was uneducated and they could not read and, and and the scriptures were oftentimes in Latin and they depended on, on, on the pulpits to bring them the truth. And I remember what Dr. Tony Evans often says. He says that when there is a mist in the pulpit, there is a fog in the pew. That when people in the pulpit don't know the true word of God and the they can begin to manipulate. And what will happen is that people down there will be even more confused because the people that are supposed to be giving them the truth are giving them a watered down gospel. We live in an age where most people won't even put that word repentance on the screen because they're scared if I preach on it, they won't come back next Sunday. They won't put those things on the wall because they're scared that tithes may go down or giving may go down because everybody will shout and want to know that your blessing is on the way, but nobody wants to talk about repentance. Because we define for ourselves what repentance really is. But the truth of the matter is that we should let the word of God define what repentance is. Because one thing is for sure that we should know that repentance is important. 
When Martin Luther came and he, he nailed those 95 theses to the wall of the German Wittenberg Church, the first thesis he wrote was this, and it is a powerful one. It says that our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. I'll read that again. He said, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ will that the entire life of the believer should be one of repentance. I'll put it in a way that you can understand. Instead of quoting Martin Luther, I will quote Willie Berry and I will say this. Show me a church that does not have a culture of repentance and I will show you a church that's not a church. Show me a church that doesn't have a culture of repentance and I will show you a church that is just a social gathering. <laughs> show me a church that is not having a culture of repentance and I will show you a group of people gathering together, but they are really not the church that God called them to be. Well, you might not trust Martin Luther and some you may not even trust Willie Berry. So I'll give you somebody else that you can trust. Pull up Luke 9 and 23. Jesus said it this way. It said, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must first deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me daily. Everybody said daily. Jesus didn't use secret sensitive language. He actually uses strong imagery. That's why we talked about, like we learned yesterday uh, about theological drama. He used strong imagery because the cross is the most excruciating, and that's where that word actually comes from, thing that you could think of. When you say, I have excruciating pain, it comes from that word meaning to crucify because it is the most brutal and it is the most horrible way that a person could ever die and here it is Jesus is saying if you really want to follow me for real he brings up crucifixion he doesn't say come give your life to me and I promise he's going to take you to the best higher echelons of life and everything that's going to happen to you is going to be good and everything that happens to you is going to be fun and everything that happens to you is going to be a blessing a blessing and that you're going to get good blessing pressed down shaking together running over he said if you come to me the first thing you have to do is die that's why many people don't want to come to Jesus they want to come and they want to feel good they want to receive the worship like they did I love good playing because I'm a musician and brother Turhan had me in such a state I was listening to the spirit and I was meditating I didn't even want to go forward good worship will get you going but here's the thing what are you going to do when you leave the four walls of the church because worship alone will not do if you're going to follow Christ you must daily be in a state of repentance Jesus uses strong imagery and he's saying something to us he's letting us know that change is not comfortable <laughs> being our best selves is not comfortable if you're going to be what God has called you to be it's going to take you out of your comfort zone somebody say I got to get out of my comfort zone <laughs> but although change is uncomfortable change is 
necessary. If I'm going to be the person that God called me to be, if I'm going to go through sanctification and be sanctified and be a bride that is without spot or wrinkle, his blood has already cleansed my sins, but there are some things on earth that I need to change because I am a witness for Christ. How do you know? He said, for you are the light of the world and a light cannot be hidden. Sometimes people, the only Christ they will see is you. Brother Dave and I talked to a neighbor the other day. He came over to the parking lot and, and he said, I, I like when y'all have services outside and it's getting warm. We're going back outside. After a while, Brother Terhon, we put it on the radio and he says, I'll listen when you're outside. And as we begin to talk, he really liked it. But what he was saying is, I like it, but I'm not coming in there. Some people won't come within the four walls of the church and the only Bible they will see is the Bible on the pages of your life. And the only way they get a clear picture through muddy water, which we are, is to have a life that is submitted to repentance. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. Now we're coming back to James in the text. James is telling us something that we don't like to hear because we like to be like like the old show Flip Wilson. Does anybody remember Flip Wilson? Flip Wilson would go do something crazy. And after he done something crazy, he said, the devil made me do it. <laughs> it, was, it was the devil. Flip made some excuses, but most times James is saying the devil didn't make me do it. Somebody said I did it. Because I wanted to do it. Oh, that's a strong statement, isn't it? Let's say it again. Raise your hand up and testify. And let's be honest about those things that you made. Excuse me. Raise your hand high and say, I did it because I wanted to do it. I knew it was wrong, <laughs> but I did it <laughs> because I wanted to do it. We don't like that because it makes us know that there's something within us that needs to change. <laughs> James is talking to us about our fleshly nature. Paul puts it this way, that the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. There is not just an external war that you're trying to live through, but there is an internal war that has you struggling, saying, I want to say this, but I need to say that. I want to do this, but I need to do that. And sometimes you say, I need to do this, but I'm going to do that. And if we'll be honest, if we're going to change, we have to admit that there is a struggle in us. And sometimes we just don't want to do right. We have in us a mind, a will, and emotions. And the Bible calls it the flesh sometimes. Our fleshly or depraved nature. And it wants what it wants. And it likes what it likes. And it tries to do what it wants to do. And it doesn't care who it hurts in the process. If your flesh likes bacon, it doesn't care that you have high blood pressure. It'll deal with that later. It's going to have you say, I want this bacon while you stroking out. If the flesh likes to shop, it doesn't matter that you hide in your car in the back of the parking lot because you want somebody not to repo your car. It's going to say, I want what I like and I'm going to get what I want. If your flesh gets a rise out of telling people off, you're not going to be able to choose to give a soft answer. If you're governed by the flesh, you're going to tell them everything you want to tell them and dare them to say something back. Because the flesh wants what it 
<laughs> the flesh likes what it likes. It tries to do what it wants to do. And it doesn't care who it hurts in the process. We have to come to reality with a startling truth that there's something inside of us that is at war with God. We are at peace with God because God has saved our soul, but our flesh is constantly at war. And if you'll be honest in the church, sometimes it's a struggle to do the right thing because the wrong thing feels so right. I say that again for somebody that didn't catch that. Sometimes it's hard for us to do the right thing because the wrong thing feels so right. I was riding down the street and I'm from the south and I like southern people. You know, we're not in a hurry to go anywhere. We just ride. We have our hand on the horn and we got the different things. So this is hey and this one's how you doing. This is how you mama them. There are all those different ways and the things that we're not in a hurry to go anywhere. But I found people here seem to be in a hurry to go nowhere. And every now and then I hear a hump at the back of me and then I see a wave but it's not a holy hand that lifting up and sometimes the the flesh wants to want what it wants, and the flesh wants to say what it wants to say. And then all of a sudden, I say, you better not say that. <laughs> you, you better not do that. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above might be looking. He is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. <laughs> Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above might be looking down in love. I'm going to modernize it. Oh, be careful, little thumbs, what you post. Woo. Oh, be careful, little thumbs, what you post. For the Father up above might be looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little thumbs, what you post. Because the flesh wants what it wants. But here's the thing that the person the flesh is going to hurt the most is us. And that sin is a prison. Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death, which means that if I allow sin to continue to coexist in my life, I am inviting death into my life. And the only way to get death out of my life is to expunge death out of my life. Sometimes you've got to put yourself on the cross. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got to kill it before it kills me. Oh, you didn't say that good enough. I need somebody that really wants to change. Somebody shout, I've got to kill it before it kills me. Because when sin is left in my life, it is a poison. James says it gives birth to death. Hallelujah. He says in verse 14, but each one of us is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. And then after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. See, the thing was that when you yell back at that person in the other car, that was the baby, but it was birthed on the inside of you. Impurity is never lost in the bedroom. It's lost in the brain. It's lost on the inside first. And when we don't deal with sin in our mind and in our heart, it comes together with opportunity and finds a way to manifest itself. So the best way to say it is that sin and opportunity have babies. That's what James said. Is that not what he said? He says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
What are you birthing in your life? What are you birthing in your relationships? What are you birthing and giving birth to? And he says, when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Now you have a grandchild called See, your desire was to be angry all the time. Your desire was to tell people off all the time. And, and you were just waiting. You ever had somebody that you didn't like? Let's be real. You ever had somebody you didn't like and you being nice to them, but you really don't like them? And at the same time, you in your mind say, I'm just waiting for the right moment for you to act the wrong way so I can really tell you what's on my Okay, we got one honest person in the building. Just somebody that really is doing something that's rubbing you the wrong way and you're looking for the opportunity to tell them that is something, a desire that is not godly on the inside. You're not trying to tell them for your good. You're trying to tell them to get some relief in your flesh because you feel good. It feels good to tell people off. It feels good to straighten people out. But the problem is most times while we straighten them, we not straight ourselves. If you can't say amen, say ouch. I told you it was going to be happy, Brother Turhan. Brother Tur I told Brother Turhan, I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to preach a happy sermon on repentance. And he looked at me, I said, yeah, it's an oxymoron, but just go with me. We're, we're, going, we're going to go with it. Could it be that we're giving birth to things that are causing death in our life because we don't have a life of repentance. We don't learn anymore how to, the art of crucifying our flesh. Could it be that the reason you can't feel God is because you won't let go of the world? There are many people saying, I don't feel God like I used to feel him. But all your friends don't like God. Everybody around you and everything about you doesn't like God. God has already died. He's already been crucified. It's time for you to put something on the cross. God's done what he's going to do. We had a beautiful communion service this morning. He's already died. The death, burial, and resurrection has already occurred. Now, Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, it's time for you to put some nails in your attitude. It's time for you to put some nails in your want to. I'm going to hit a little close to home. Most of you in here come to Bible study, so it won't hurt you. But somebody listening may know this. Guess what? You need to put some nails in your personal wants. Cut off the TV, get in the car, and come to church on Wednesday nights. Or whatever night your church is having Bible study. Why? Because your flesh likes to watch TV. Your flesh likes to watch the home cooking channel. And that's great. But you shouldn't want your flesh to do it while there's something going on that could help with your spiritual growth. But you got to crucify those things. That's why the church doesn't seem real to people. And church seems fake because you got a church full of people that don't live a life full of repentance and they're not crucifying themselves daily. I'm not talking about something masochistic. I'm not talking about something dark. I'm not talking about something that's hurtful of me. I'm talking about simply a process of changing your life. Could it be that the reason my spiritual life is drying up and dying? Could it be the reason my relationships are on life support? Could it be that maybe I'm refusing to crucify some things in my life it's not God, it's not the church it's not church folk, it's me I won't repent I won't crucify some things in my life and God can't bless me because I'm inviting death inside of my circle somebody said be careful who you let in your circle <laughs> if you're going to go down the same road you're going to keep arriving at the same destination. 
If you keep riding down the same road, you're going to keep going to the same place. I keep coming to the church. Church ain't working for me, Turhan. Church folk ain't working for me. Because they ain't going to change. Church folks are all full of hypocrites. That's correct. Just like hospitals are full of sick people. That's why I'm not getting nothing out of church. No, the reason you're not getting out of church, nothing out of church, is because you come and looking at everybody else instead of looking at yourself and saying, God, work on me. I need to come with a mindset of repentance for myself. I need to be more like you. The problem is you're looking out when you should be looking. But this morning, this is a happy sermon. You know why? Because we're going to set you free. Because when you get ready to repent, what you are literally doing is expelling death from your life. Sin is death. And when, although your soul may be saved, you are, will allow sin to kill some vital things in your life. Sin will kill marriages. Sin will kill relationships. Sin will kill careers and opportunities. Sin will kill destinies. And what you have to do is make a habit of continual repentance. You can't just repent, come to this altar and say, I repented today, I'm going to try a new life, and then go back to doing the same old thing. No, it's a daily process. If I'm going to repent, I'm going to give you a couple of quick tools and we're going to be out of here. Number one says, own it. Somebody say, own it. <laughs> We've got to own it. For James says this in verse 13. He says, when being tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one. Uh, how many of us say something like that? I'm going through this struggle. God won't never put more on me than I, I can bear. I'm going through all these things. God's not doing that to you. That, that's We live in a sinful world. That God didn't have anything to do with that. Guys, pull up those excuses on the screen. See if you can find your excuse up there. Put them on, on the live screen because all of us have had some of those excuses. But he said, but each one, everybody say each one. Keep that on the screen, God. It's tempted when by his own evil desire. You mean I have evil desires? Yes, you do. He is dragged away and enticed. How many of us have done it? Because everybody else is doing it. Well, hey, after all, I'm just a man. Nobody's perfect. Oh, I didn't know that was wrong. Then why are you hiding it? Why do you change your behavior when the church people come around? If you didn't know, something might be wrong. Oh, it's their fault. They make me angry. No, you have an anger issue. It's your own evil desire. And you won't get to live the life God has called you to until you learn to expel it from your life. More of Jesus, left of, less of me. I couldn't help it. God, God put that in my path. God didn't put that in your path. James is letting us know that blaming others might make us feel better, but it won't fix the issue. We need to think about that. Blaming others may make us feel better. But it doesn't fix the issue. Even after salvation, temptations come. 
But we need to be honest so that we are fighting not phantom issues, but we're dealing with issues at the root call. Number one, I have to own it. Everybody say, I'm going to own it. He says that each man is drifted away or tempted or pulled away. If you're being pulled away, what are you being pulled from? God's and God's best for your life. You're pulled away when you're tempted by your own evil desires. For some people, it's lust uh, of flesh. For some people, it's lust of money. For some people, it's lust of power and status or whatever it will be. But when we're driven away by our own evil desires. Mm. Not only do I have to own it, but number two, as a matter of fact, I'm going to stop right now. If you're watching this right now, share it. Somebody needs to hear it. Everybody that's watching this broadcast, share it right now. If you're in church, I give you permission to be on your phone for just a second and share this broadcast. Why? Because people need to hear this because this is life. Repentance is life to people. Repentance means changing. When you look at, at, at repentance, there are actually two words in in repentance, one is meta. We hear that in Facebook now. What does meta mean? Meta, like metamorphosis. But this word is not metamorphosis. This word, or metamorpho in the Greek, this word is metanoia. And what metanoia literally means is to change the mind. The mind, the will, the emotions, the seat of the emotions. He says, be ye not transformed, conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That word is metamorpho. Change into a new being by the renewing of your mind. If you want to be somebody different, you got to change what's going in your mind. Everybody say garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> you want to be spiritual, but check what you're watching on TV. Garbage in, garbage out. You want to be spiritual, but all your friends and you like to do is gossip. Garbage in, garbage out. You want to be a size 2 dress or a size 38 pants, but you like Taco Bell. Garbage in. <laughs> Garbage out. <laughs> Garbage in. Garbage out. We have to change what repentance means in our mind to a biblical thing. Repentance is not something for people to point their finger at us and say, repent, or you're going to hell. Yes, you need to repent and follow God, but repentance simply means change your mind. Look at this differently. Let God's view of life be in your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also Christ Jesus. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? I stop and I'm real and I own it and say, this is how I feel about it. Now I'm, I'm going to do number two. I'm going to change it and see how God feels about it. And sometimes it's painful because God tells you to do something that you don't want to do. Have you ever had somebody talk about you behind your back or, or hang your name on the highway based off of a rumor and then have all the facts? And then you open up your Bible and it said, love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you. And you said, I don't want to do that. And you close up the Bible and you open it up and you open it back up and it says, if you can't forgive others that sin, Neither will your heavenly father forgive you and you close it back up again and, and you open it back up and it says, for God so loved the world that God loved us, Romans 5 and 8, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. How can you not forgive other people when God forgave you? That's a life of repentance. When I put the word on the stuff that I don't like, 
When I put the word on stuff that doesn't make me feel good, I have a problem with whatever, Pastor, whatever it may be, I have a problem with it. I have a problem with lust. Well, get in the book of, of, of the Bible and it says, how can, a, how can a man make his way pure? It'll tell you how to do that. It'll tell you to flee fornication. I have a problem with gossip. Well, guess what? The Bible said that God hates Feet that are quick to mischief and hands that shed innocent blood and a lying tongue. And most times gossip is lying. And guess what? I don't want to be in that, that camp. So guess what? I need to change. Why are you coming every week if you're going to stay the same? Why are you going to the car wash and your car wash is just as dirty when you leave as when you came? Why call yourself a Christian when you refuse to live like one? Why call yourself saved and want to continually look and act like the world? See, the problem is, Brother Turhan, in the church, we've been beaten down so much that we've gone on the defensive instead of the offensive. And we want to tell people, hey, brother, I'm just like you. I got sins and faults just like you. That's a lie. I'm not like you because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I'm a peculiar person. Yeah, by essence and nature, we're humans. Yes, by essence and nature, we sin, but I am submitted to Christ. And if you are not submitted to Christ, we have two completely different destinations. And I don't need to make you feel better by placating you and lying to you, telling you that the way you live it is on the right way. If I know you headed wrong, love will let you. No. This wasn't even in my sermon. This is free. I don't remember which one it is, but there's a magician group called Penn and Taylor, and one of them is an atheist. And he said one thing that bothered him about Christians is, he said, if Christians really believe that they had the truth to eternal life, he says they have to be some of the cruelest people in the world because all the Christians I know never say anything to me about God. How cruel would it be to see somebody in a burning house and never tell them because we don't want to be offensive? The world doesn't mind offending Christ. Why do we worry about offending the world? That doesn't mean you have to be obnoxious. But it's okay to be different. You are different. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Those that will show forth the praises of him that brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light. So you can tell somebody, I have made a transition. I know what it's like. I may not be just like you, but I've been you before. That's a better way to say it. I know what it's like to wake up in the wrong places. I know what it's like to wake up in beds that are not my own. I know what it's like to be intoxicated. I know what it's like to be a gossip. I know what it's like to be a liar. But I also know what it's like to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that stuff doesn't... Number one, I have to own it. I don't know if they put this PowerPoint on the screen, but I, I want you to put that up. It's, I want us to read that together. It talks about excuses. Let's read that together. What does it say? When excuses cease, change begins. We're going to say that two more times. Let's all say that together. I like that. Let's say it again. When excuses cease, 
change begin. Now say it from your belly like it's a praise break and turn horns on that. Hey, let's go. Let's say it real loud. When excuses cease, change begin. I will come to Bible class, but I got, I'm so tired. When excuses cease, change begin. I would have a prayer life, but I got so much going on. When excuses cease, change begin. I wouldn't look inwardly at myself, but it's my husband and my wife that's making me mad. When excuses cease, change begins. Oh, this is a good word. This is an exciting word. You may not shout to it, but it's the truth because it is inviting life into our life and expelling death. Number one, everybody said we have to own it. Number two, you need to what? Change it. And now number three, Hallelujah. We need to walk in. He tells us something. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. I'm so glad that God's consistent because we are not. We need uh, something to measure against, and that's why we don't measure our life against people. Never tell yourself, at least I'm not them, because you haven't said anything. Unless you are measuring against the straight edge of the word of God, because people will let you down. I will and I in the future, and I'm going to let you down. You know why? Because I'm a human, and if you put me on a pedestal, you are going to be sadly disappointed because I have flesh and blood like you. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, but humans make mistakes. You don't live your life based off of mine. You live them based off of the word of God. You can make an excuse and say, well, he did this, but and that's why God didn't want you using me. He wants you to use this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Hush, my, my, my word is a light unto my path. James says, to really walk in truth, we need to shed the light of God's word. Why? Because this is the beautiful part of repentance. Most times we don't like repentance because to us, repentance means condemnation. But I heard Paul tell us something. He said that if you're living a life of repentance, you're walking in what's called the light. We talk about that in this church a lot. Even when you come to this church, we ask, do you walk into the light of Christ's word to the best of your ability? And here's the thing you need to know. Paul says this, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who walk not after the flesh, but those that walk after the spirit. Let me bring it to your home. For those who have been saved by Jesus Christ and have a continual life of repentance who have followed Christ fully, there is no condemnation. Well, I remember you did that, but you also remember I got up and if a righteous man falls, what makes him righteous is that he gets back. I remember that they did this, but they got up. There's no more condemnation. Repentance isn't condemnation. Repentance is freedom. Aren't you tired of being bound by guilt and shame and sin? Aren't you tired of being a slave to your own emotions? Aren't you tired of being a slave to your own insecurities? Put them on the cross. I haven't said it for a while, but when you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself, I want you to wake up in the morning 
And you look, say, self, you're looking good. <laughs> self, you, you got a good smile. <laughs> self, <laughs> if, I, if I had your face, I'd turn mine in. <laughs> but self, self, guess what? I got this cross for you. It's waiting on you. When you come on out of the bathroom right now, before you talk to anybody, I got this cross for you. You need to get on that. You can't go to work with me because you like juicy gossip. Self, I'm going to have to put you on the cross. Self. When you go to the grocery store, you have a wondering eye. You got pretty eyes, but I, I got this cross for you. I need, need you to take this word into the grocery store. So when your eyes wonder, they'll wonder, and then you'll go right back to the word of God. And you'll say, oh, like Job, I made a covenant with the Lord not, 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 not to be lustful and to look upon things that I shouldn't be looking on. Self, you're, you're looking great. Self, you got a good job. You got a good cell phone. You got the iPhone 12. But self, I need you to know something. I know, self, because we live in the same house. And I know what sites you're going to when nobody else can see you. And you trying to work Erase your history so nobody else can see it. Self, I got this cross for you. Self, you're, you're a smart person. You're real smart. You're so smart, you know, you not only know your business, you know everybody else's business but yours. Self, I got this cross for you. Because it's time for us to be genuine and follow Jesus. How many of you want to live? If you want to live, I said before you life. Choose life. Repentance is not a nasty word. Repentance. That's why that road is up there. Repentance is the road to freedom. Repentance is deciding that my flesh and my desires will no longer control and be the master of my life. I can't lose weight because I'm a slave to everything I like to eat. It doesn't have to be like that. Put your, put your flesh on the cross. You may have struggles. I struggle sometimes. But the life of freedom is on the way. When excuses cease, changes come. Now, it's her home place today. We're going to do something different. We're not going to have a prayer team. I want every single person in this church to get up and come to this altar if you can. If you can't walk, that's fine. Just as I am without one plea. I surrender all. Will you stand with me and come to this altar? Oh, to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Come on, Chrissy. Oh, everybody in the building this way. You can sit at the altar, you can you can do whatever, but I want us here praying. I surrender. Freedom awaits for you. All to thee, my all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Say that again. Oh, I surrender. 
You have a choice for life today. Give it to Jesus. I surrender. If you're watching online, you have a choice today. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Keep playing, sir. Now, the reason I called you up here is because all of us need to be at this altar. I want you to think of something in your life that needs to change. And if you're living in human flesh, you got something. Because we all got something. And I want you to give it to Jesus today. I don't want you to let the enemy make you feel so ashamed or bashful about it. Because everybody up here has something. But I want you today to think in your mind, God, I'm going to give this to you and I'm not going to take it back. It might not be nothing horrid. It might be, God, I, I have low self-esteem. I don't have enough faith. Or I, I'm down on myself too much. Help me to see me the way you see me. But whatever it is, I want you to pray to God when we begin to sing again. And as you say, I surrender all, I want it to be the truth. I want you to surrender it to Jesus. He loves you. He loves you so much. Sing it with me. Oh, I surrender. Oh, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender. Oh, to Thee, I freely give. I will ever. I surrender all. I to thee.
I want you to do something that's a bit out of the norm, but I, whatever you laid at this altar, I want you to scream with me. You're under arrest. Somebody say it, say it like you mean it. You're under arrest. <laughs> Which means that whatever you left at this altar doesn't leave this altar. <laughs> whatever you left at this altar is under arrest and it doesn't leave this altar I declare right now that who the son has set free is free indeed don't worry about your past don't worry about what you used to do don't worry about what was holding you you are now a new creature in Jesus name you will never be the same that you might have to fight but you're going to every day wake up and put it on the cloak it might show up tomorrow when your phone picks up and say oh no you're under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be held against you because the just judge has declared that you won't destroy my life anymore. Hallelujah. Lord, I come in intercession right now. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for the freedom and the deliverance that is taking place right now. And in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, Lord God, that you impart that freedom to your believers. God, help us to walk and be close to one another so that we will not be bound by sin. But Lord, every day we'll wake up and joyously put ourselves on the cross so that we can fellowship and commune with you as you intended. For your blood has torn the veil. And we want to experience every part of every life that we have with you. We want the fullness of the experience. I pray right now to bless these, your people. Lord God, as the shepherd of this house, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray and declare that they are blessed in the city, that they are blessed in the country when they come and when they go, and that wherever the sole of their foot shall try shall be blessed in the name of Jesus. We're praying right now for the Jackson Church and Brother Dave that they're having a hallelujah good time right where they are, God. We're praying for houses of worship all over. Keep us close together. Make us a family and connected so that one will not be able to fall without the other. Thank you for this beautiful sermon. Thank you for this beautiful word, God, that helps us to know that there's still more life to come. Help us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow you daily. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen and give God a hand clap of praise. I declare that you are blessed. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. Invite somebody to church. We're gearing up for Easter service coming up. Let's make it a grand old service. We're going to do communion again next week. We haven't done communion in a while, and I've been, it's been on my heart to do communion. And we had a whole session in our leadership segments this week on communion and the sacraments. And Robin said, we can wait till next week. I said, no, we're not going to wait till next week. We're going to do it next week, but we're going to do it today. And I'm so glad we got to experience that. We'll see you guys Wednesday night. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace.